Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today. Lord, inspire me by the Holy Spirit to deliver your word to these great people today, God. That, that your anointing would come over me and it not be my words, Lord, but your words that come out in this room, Lord. We worship you and thank you for spending time with us and allowing us to sit at your feet and be taught by the King. We worship you and praise you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I have been dying to do this Bible study, but God has been using Brother Brandon the last few weeks, and I know we've enjoyed that, and we can't wait to have him back and do this some more. But today, God has been, God has been dealing with me on this subject, so we're going to talk about the breath of God. Yeah. Anybody, anybody interested in hearing about this? The breath of God. This is something God's been talking to me about. And I I've been slowly putting this together. But then finally, he released it. And so we're going to go to John, the book of John, verse 1 and 1. We're going to talk about the essence of who God is. And we're going to talk about who man is. Since we are made in God's image, we're going to learn from the Bible's perspective about who we are. So 1 John... Or it's not 1 John, it's just John. There's too many Johns in this Bible. <laughs> but John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word that already existed. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. So we, we hear in the book of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Now we know that this is referencing Jesus Christ. So we know Jesus is the Word, but he uses the Word there for a very specific reason. So let's keep, we'll keep reading a little bit. The Word gives life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never be extinguished. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. And the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, has come into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world couldn't recognize him. He came unto his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting in human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were created through the Word. The Word became man, dwelt among us, and everything came from this 
word. So I started digging into, and the Holy Ghost was talking to me about what the word is. And it gave life to everyone. And then I went back to Genesis chapter 1. And it says, In the beginning God created the humans on earth, and the earth was for or the heavens and the earth. Not the, he got to the humans in a little bit. He created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. So I started thinking about what the Spirit hovering over the waters really meant. So I looked up what the word Spirit means. And if we look into Tyndale's Bible Dictionary, Spirit is the aspect of existence in a non-comprehensible or immaterial world. So it's a Latin derivative of the Hebrew and Greek words rancha and puma, which I always said I was never going to break into Greek and Hebrew, but here we are at a Bible study where I'm telling you in the Hebrew and in the Greek. But this is significant for a reason. Because in Greek and in Hebrew, spirit also means blowing or breathing or the breath of life and the breath of God. It is either a wind or a blowing or the breath of God. So the Spirit hovered over the earth. The wind, the breath of God hovered over the earth and all things were created. And God said, let there be light. Now, when God spoke, He used the breath of life to flow over His vocal cords to make prophecies that came into existence. So, Christ had His body because the Lamb was created before the world's foundation. So, God was made flesh in the beginning, which is why you see Christ show up in human form throughout the Old Testament. He's always had this body. He created it in the beginning and He used the Holy Spirit through His voice to create the words which created existence. That's how. That's why the Bible says all things were created through Him. It took Jesus having the full Godhead to create the whole world. Wow, that's powerful. Let's think about it. He had the full Godhead to create it. So God said, let the waters be separated. We know that God creates all the animals. And then God creates man, and then God rests. But in chapter 2, God decided we needed a little more info in how he made man. So he says, Then God made the earth and the heavens, all the wild plants and grains that were growing on the earth. And the Lord God had not yet sent rain or water on the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered it. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Hold on. Before we get to that, I'm going to go back. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 again. I want to read verse 26. Because after all, because in 2, he's referencing what just happened in chapter 1. 
So we have the layout of everything God did, and then in two, he starts referencing it. And he says that God formed men, or God decided to create men to cultivate the ground. But if we go back to verse 26 in chapter 1, God said, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals that scurry around on the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So he tells you in chapter 1, God creates man as God is. And we know in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh. So we know that God, when He's creating man, He has a body. He is an eternal being, which is a soul. He is an eternal soul. And He is a spirit, because the spirit hovered over the waters and went through man to create words, the breath of life. So, God already has this image of being a soul, with a body and a spirit. And then it says he created man in his own image. So he, then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. Then he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living soul. So God formed his body. He breathed the breath of life, which is the spirit, into him, and he became a living soul. So those things happen. Now, God tells Adam, he puts him in the garden, and he tells Adam, do not eat of this tree. If you eat of this tree, this day you will die, is what he tells Adam. Now, we have people who will tell us, Okay, well, Adam lived 900 and some years, so a day is a thousand years in the Lord. So Adam died in that day. But my God is very precise on what he says. God does not waver. Now, when the Bible talks about a day being like a thousand years, what it's saying is that timing is different on earth as it is in heaven. There's an elapse. Now, we could go into... A, Chuck Messenger goes into time and space and reality. If you guys want to get into something deep, look up Chuck Messenger's on time. Because it, he shows how multiple dimensions exist and time is affected by our space and dimension. So God sits outside of our time and dimension. That's why he could exist from the foundation of the earth. But he says to Adam, you will die the day you eat it. And then Adam is expelled from the Garden of Eden. And Adam is no longer allowed to live with the spiritual realm. Adam has to be removed. And he is stuck in the mortal realm where he has a body and a soul, but his spirit is dead. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see scripturally how this proves to be true. But first, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Because I don't want you guys just simply to take my word for it. We should have the Bible to back up. Actually, the Bible doesn't back it up. What I'm saying is based on it. So I'm actually backing up the Bible. 
And the Holy Spirit confirms it. Alright, Thessalonians, where are you hiding? There you are. Alright, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 13. Show them great light. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So here we have him referencing the fact of the three that are inside of us. The spirit, the body, and the soul. Now let's go to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to go into the story where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. Chapter 3, verses, we're going to start right in the beginning of it. Just John chapter 3. Did I say 1 John? I keep getting, we did so much 1 John in our Bible study, I'm stuck on 1 John. But no, the original John. John Jr. <laughs> The Gospel of John. So we know here there's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish, a Jewish relig religious leader. That's hard to say three times fast. Who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, Nicodemus replied, how can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. So Christ gives him a big note right here. He says, just to let you know, Nicodemus, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your spirit. Your spirit needs to be born again. Humans reproduce only human life, but the Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So here again, God's telling him, I'm not talking about your body, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, huh? He's like, no, Spirit. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now listen to this, guys. This is where the Holy Ghost gets involved. He says, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just so you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Isn't that powerful? The Spirit hovered over the waters. The Spirit went through His mouth. The breath of life was the Spirit. And the first thing Christ does is say, you need to be born again of the Spirit. And he references the wind. He's like, you have to have the breath of life back in you. Because you have to be born again. So Jesus replied, he says, how is this even possible? And Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish leader, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you what we tell you, we know and we have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you won't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man comes down from heaven. 
And just as Moses was lifted up, so everyone who believes in him shall have eternal life. So he's talking about eternal life, and he says to him, you must be born again. I don't know if I have it. I'm a, I'm a, I better not jump ahead. Let me see. We know that I might not have it in here, so I'm just going to quote it. But we know that Jesus said, unless something dies, it can't be reborn. He said, unless a seed is planted in the ground and dies, it can't give birth to new life. Now again, we think fleshly. So I think my body has to die so I can have new life, which is true. Which baptism is a representative of. Even though we're not really dead yet, it's a representative of how we're going to get a new body. But in order to be reborn again spiritually, a death had to have occurred. That's why Paul's telling him, you're a Jewish leader and you don't understand these things. You understand that God is three. You understand we're made in his image. And you understand that something died when Adam ate that apple. And Christ is telling him, you need to be born again. Not of the flesh. Don't get me wrong. That's coming. But of the spirit. And he tells him, and the wind blows where it blows. So he's telling him, this is how we're going to get it, guys. It's the wind. It's the breath of life. It's God's breath. So then we go to Nicodemus 11. And Lazarus is dead. And they're, they're trying to get him. They're trying to get Jesus to come heal him before he dies. And Jesus is taking his time. Now, people who have gone to this city will tell you that where Jesus was was less than a half a day away from where Lazarus was. Jesus doesn't show up until four days after Lazarus is dead. So it's like, why didn't he go right away? Why did he wait around? But Jesus tells them that, you know, this is this this is God's work. This is going to be a sign from God. We're going to we're going to we're going to wait and see how this happens. So they come to Jesus. And Martha says to him, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. So Jesus is showing him something here. And Jesus told her, he'll rise again. And they said, yes, Jesus, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises in the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So again, Jesus is letting know. And we know Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God on earth. So he's not here to worry about our fleshly life. But he's using this as an example to them, showing them, I can bring your body back to life. I can bring your spirit back to life. Because I am the resurrection and the life. So when Christ said that, I am the resurrection and the life, he's referencing Genesis. He's saying, don't you realize it was my breath 
that it made him exist to begin with. It's my breath that can bring him back to life. Just like physical and spiritual. But it's his breath that holds life in it. So let's flip forward one more chapter to John 12. Verses... Uh, it says 23, but I'm probably going to read more. Oh, this was the scripture I quoted a second ago. Jesus predicts his own life. He says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But with the death, it produces many new kernels, a pleasantful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for this life in this world will keep it for eternity. So he's telling them, don't worry about your bodies now and your bodies. You're going to die. It's okay. You're going to die. But you will live for an eternity if you worry about the spiritual things. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the reason I have come. Father, bring glory to your name. Then the voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. Now, the voice speaks from heaven. A mighty wind comes from heaven again and says, I've already done brought glory to my name and I'm going to do so again. I'm going to resurrect spiritually and physically. I'm bringing the glory now with my son on earth, but I'm going to bring glory again later. That's when we're going to worry about the resurrected bodies. So let's go to John chapter 20 now. Because now we're going to see something very specific that happens. John chapter 20, Jesus appoints his disciples. Now guys, this is our role. We're all called to be disciples of Christ. And this is where Jesus appoints his first disciples. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there amongst them. So now, this is Jesus' resurrected body. The believers are hiding. They're scared. They don't know what's going on. They just watched Jesus' body be crucified. And they're like, what are we going to do now? He said he came to bring life. But he's dead. And they're hiding behind locked doors, nervous and scared of their flesh and what's going to happen. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. 
So he shows them, I'm resurrected, guys. I was dead, but I came back to life. So he's showing them, I have the power to bring things back that are already dead. Then he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus was the full Godhead. God sent him in full form. He was God. He was a man. And he was the spirit of God inside of him, living and breathing. Not like Adam, who died and lost his spirit. Christ was completed. And Christ tells them, as, I'm, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you now. And then what does he do? Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Woo! That's fire. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He said, receive the breath of life. And he breathed on them. And he made them whole. Now we go to Acts. We jump forward to Acts chapter 2. And on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So here's all the believers now. And again, they're scared and they're nervous. And they're like, God, we need life. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring, mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Have you guys ever, you guys ever been in a position where like you left the, you left the stove on? And your, and your kitchen fills up with gas. And you come in there and you can breathe it. And you can smell it. Because it fills the whole room. This mighty windstorm of the breath of God. Filled the entire room. Where everybody was breathing this spiritual breath of life. And it looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in new languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. So instantly, everybody was filled with the Spirit. Where once there was nothing. Where once they were dead. And Christ said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Pastor just talked about it last, the last couple weeks. He's been nailing this. The flesh and blood will never inherit the kingdom of God. It will never. It's corrupted. It's dead. Adam's curse was true. He died. Why Satan had Adam eat that apple? It's because Satan knew it would kill him. And he wanted to destroy what God created. But he didn't realize that our God has resurrection power. So God said, okay, you're going to spiritually die today, Adam. But your body is going to reproduce and go on. And I'm going to heal your spirit. And eventually, I'm going to restore your body. And now we're going to get into that. Because that's the only way we can inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about... A second death. Why does it talk about a second death? Because there's the first death when your spirit leaves your body 
and there's a second death when your soul leaves your body. But God came to bring life and life more abundantly. Instead of living in a body with a soul and not having a spirit of God, which is why people get possessed because there's a vacancy in them, we can have a life more abundantly where we're like God, body, soul, and spirit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Because now we're past... Everything we read in the beginning was telling us what was going to happen. Throughout the whole Bible, the Old Testament is, this is coming. This is going to happen. This could happen, guys. We're waiting for this. The Messiah is on His way. We get to the Gospels and the Messiah is here, and He's telling us to wait. And we get to the book of Acts, and something took place, and we go forward with them explaining what happened. There was a new life, a new creation. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting at verse 12. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection from the dead? For if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. But if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles have all been lying about God, for we have said God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. But if Christ has been raised, then your faith if Christ has not been raised, then your face is useless and you are guilty of your sins. And sins bring death. So he's saying, if, if there's no such thing as Christ's resurrection power, then we're all already dead anyways. In that case, all who have died belong in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. If Christ's only thing was to fix our life here in our flesh, we're to be pitied more than anything in the world. So many times we're like, man, we should just live forever. Wouldn't it be cool if God just made everything on earth perfect? God is so much greater than that. He understands so much better than that. This world is already corrupted. It's a rebirth. The new world is what's going to be something to look forward to. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of... The great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life, but there is an order of this resurrection. Christ was raised from the dead first in the harvest, and all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. So again, he's talking about our physical bodies because the rebirth of the Spirit has already taken place. The rebirth took place on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was released. I'm going to flip back to the beginning of Corinthians.
No, 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 no. Let's go to Second Chronicles. Yeah, I was going to go back to Corinthians, but... Or 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, guys. 2 Corinthians? Yeah, 2 Corinthians 1. And verse 21. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised us. The Holy Spirit is promise of the resurrection of our bodies. Yes. Yes. Because Adam died spiritually... God gave him the spirit to man to show the first installment of how when our bodies die, he is going to give us a new life again. That is our hope in this life. If the Holy Spirit didn't exist, we'd all still be wondering what happens when we die. The fact that the Holy Spirit exists and we've gone through a spiritual death to a spiritual life, we can see how we can go from death to life. That's why Christ did it as an example for us. Now we're going to go to Yes, this is good. This is good. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where he's going to talk a little bit about our new bodies. For we know that when the earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So he's like, this is not going to be a human body, guys. It's going to be a new body. We grow weary of our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So he's like, our soul is dying to get out of this flesh. It knows this flesh is corrupt. And our spirit joins with our soul oh, to preserve our soul and prepare us for our new body. Wow. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of our bodies that clothe us. Rather... We want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Mm. God himself has... Now here he goes. God himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee, he's given us the Holy Spirit. Wow. So there, exactly what I just said. The Holy Spirit, the fact that we didn't have a spirit, we were dead, and God resurrected us to new life by giving us this Holy Spirit is a guarantee and an example of what our physical bodies are going to go through as well. That's deep, guys. Yes, that's why it's important to understand what the Holy Spirit is. It is the very breath of life. It is God's breath. Why? 
Okay, so we were just talking about receiving the Holy Ghost. What is receiving the Holy Ghost? We know we speak in tongues because it's the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. But what receiving the Holy Ghost is, is God breathing into your body. And when the breath of life goes into your lungs and comes out, it vibrates over your vocal cords and causes you to speak in unknown languages. What receiving the Holy Ghost is, is allowing God's Spirit to come into your life. We have to subdue the flesh in order to walk into the spiritual realm. When we die, we lose consciousness and we fall asleep and our spirit awakens. When we're praying and we fall asleep to our body, our spirit awakens. That's what receiving the Holy Ghost is. That's why nobody can push you into it. Nobody can teach, can make you do it. It's nothing like that. All it really is, is you praying so deep with God that you get to a point where you start losing consciousness and God breathes life into your body and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and it comes out through your vocal cords. That's why sometimes the Bible says, through stammering lips and a shaking tongue, you can receive the Spirit. Travis, Received the spirit. I seen the fruit in his life, but he didn't speak it out in tongues. And I seen him pray and I saw his lips shake and I saw the spirit moving. But he didn't vocalize that. And God and, he, and the devil beat him up over it. The devil made him think he wasn't saved. And oh, you're not. All kinds of garbage. He still until we prayed hard. And I, I, I fasted and prayed and was like, God, I need my brother. And God gave him the gift of diverse tongues where then he was able to speak in tongues and use the Holy Spirit in that process. But the biggest evidence to the Holy Spirit coming into your life is still the biggest evidence that it was back in the book of Genesis. The biggest evidence to being filled with the Holy Spirit is you will have life. Your life will be full and abundant. You will be happy and blessed. You're going to look at things totally different than you've ever looked at them before. And the devil doesn't want you to believe that you've already received the guarantee that God's given us. My dad was at church and got the Holy Ghost. I wish he was here. He'd tell you the story, but he's on vacation. <laughs> but he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He was standing in front of the church speaking in tongues. He knew he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He got done praying and the preacher looked at him and said, all right, that's all right. You just keep trying. You'll get it. My dad walked out and sat in the car heartbroken because here he was. God finally gave him what he's been seeking. And somebody let the devil confuse them and speak words that harmed him. So he talked, he got in the car, my mom got in the car and she was like, what's the matter? And he, he told her the situation. And my mom was like, you know if you got the Holy Ghost. Did you get it? And my dad said, I know I got it. And she said, then don't listen to what anybody else tells you. So my dad wasn't satisfied with that though. He wanted it to be a witness to the church. So he went back the following week and he prayed and said, God, I want to speak in tongues in front of the whole church. And standing in the middle of the church, my dad spoke out loud in tongues in front of everybody. And everybody heard it and everybody knew he was filled with the Spirit. Because, oh, here we go. 
because tongues edifies the body. Oh, that's good. His spirit edified him. Him being full of the Holy Ghost was for my dad's benefit. And that's what Christ cared about because he's a personal God. But to edify the body, he spoke in tongues for the church to know. Mm, that's powerful, guys. God will fill people with his spirit to whom he pleased. That's what the word says. He gives the spirit to whomever he pleases. But tongues are for the edifying of the body. Tongues are to let the church know who's filled with the spirit. It's to put a sign up in front of the church saying, now this is one of mine. You guys better treat them good. You better welcome them in with open arms because if you give so much as a glass of water to him, you're giving it to me because he's mine now. Just like when Peter went to the Gentiles. Yeah. Peter went to the Gentiles and they were like, we want to get baptized. And God filled them with the Holy Spirit. Peter went back and said, how could I not baptize them? God already approved of them through the tongues that were edifying to the body of the church. But the Spirit was working in their lives the whole time. Man, that's good, guys. So let's go to my favorite book, Ephesians, before we wrap this up. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. God's purpose was that the Jews were the first to trust in God would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth of the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He had promised you long ago. Man, this is good. <laughs> and the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. What was the promise of the inheritance that was given to man a long time ago? He's, now He takes you all the way back to Genesis again. What was the original promise in the inheritance of God? That we would be made in His image and that we would rule over the earth. Christians today are still trying to rule over the world that God threw away. The world that He handed over to Satan and said, I'm done with it. I don't want anything else to do with it. I'm going to burn it. But I've got something better for you guys. So let's get full of the Holy Spirit. Let's live through our lives. Let's win as many people as we can. And then let's die and let's experience the resurrection of Christ. And let's go back to the promise of the inheritance that we were given in the beginning of reigning and living in God's glory. Ever since I first heard that you were standing strong in faith, and in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you continu continually. 
Asking God for the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You guys, you guys get that? He says, I want you to grow in your knowledge of God so that you'll have more hope in what God's doing. In your glorious and rich inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. For he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And again, this, you can see how he's referencing Father and me, I and you. He's talking about the spirit that involves in his whole body. Your breath is your life. If you quit breathing today, you'd be dead. We need the breath of God living and breathing inside of us every day to have spiritual life. And to remind us of the inheritance of what's coming after we die. Once you were dead. Oh, here we go. Here we go, guys. Is he talking about your bodies? Because we haven't died yet. I was just born 38 years ago. I haven't died yet. But he says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. What died? I'm not dead yet. Your spiritual body died. You are spiritually dead because of your sins. Because of what Adam did in the beginning, his disobedience. When he bit the apple, he was dead that day, just like Christ said. I got a good question. Yeah. What happens in your walk when you're stumbling around and struggling with things and you become spiritually dead in the process of your walk? Right. This is so powerful. No, I'm glad you're asking that. How did spiritual death occur to begin with? Yes, but what? Yes, how? They didn't just disobey God. The devil came and told them a lie, and they believed it, and it caused their death. He told them, you won't die if you eat this apple. And some people will say, well, he was true. Adam lived for like 900 years. No, there was spiritual death from obeying Satan. He's, I'm, he's about to dig into that a little bit power, more powerful here. That came from disobedience caused spiritual death. Wow. So how do we continue not to have... We obey the word of God. If you obey God's word and you don't listen to the devil's lies, you don't believe the garbage, you're preserving your spirit. 
at that point. That's why the Bible's so big. In Nicodemus, the first thing Jesus said was believe and obey. He didn't tell Nicodemus, all oh, just believe. You have to obey. Because that's how we're going to get spiritual rebirth. It takes obedience in the Word of God. Well, all right, so grace and mercy come into the picture on, like, let's say, like, you know what I want to do. Grace and mercy is like a spiritual unseen thing. We're, what, I'm, what we're talking about here is your physical bodies and how we, we survive those. Like, for instance, grace and mercy are God's instruments that he can use to make all of this work out. Like, grace and mercy oh, are applied to our... Mercy is applied to our spirit and our soul and the preservation of our soul. The grace is God dealing with our fleshly bodies until we die and he gives us a new one. Because our mortal, sinful bodies are still examples on this earth that can tell people how they can have a spiritual rebirth. If God just fixed everything who believed in him, then everybody who didn't have the Holy Spirit would die and be lost. So if God allows us to stay in this mortal body long enough to tell other people how to receive the Holy Spirit so that they can be saved, then we can die and he'll give us a new body. And, and our old bodies are going to be plagued with when, sin and things. Yeah. When you're disobeying, that might happen sooner. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. It says he'll destroy no. the body to save the soul. Because sin brings death, and disobeying God is sin. So the more you sin, the quicker you die. And God will try to preserve your soul, but he's not going to put up with corruption on earth. Man, that's powerful, See, guys. That is so good. He says here, once you were dead because of your disobedient many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires of inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature was our, our, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everybody else. But God is so rich in mercy that He loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now, when He raised Christ from the dead, He gave us life. What happened when Christ was raised from the dead? He came back and He breathed on them. And at Pentecost, the mighty wind rushed in. And we were all given spiritual life. That's what happened when Christ died. Before Christ died, it didn't happen. Nobody was given the Holy Spirit before. It came after Christ's death. Christ's death did not give us the guarantee that one day we'll live again. It instored life in us now because we were dead spiritually. Man, this is good. So God... For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean, guys? What does that mean? Listen to what He just said, everyone. I want you to get this because this is good. 
And I've heard this taught and people act like it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't if you don't understand it. But let's understand it. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. People go, oh, well, we're seated with heaven in Christ. We're far above all the principalities and powers of this world. Why don't I feel that way? Because your spirit, the Holy Spirit, is united one with Christ. And where is Christ right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's a direct connection to the ear of God. That's why Holy Ghost filled people who pray have power. We're not just playing with nothing. We're playing with fire because we got the same spirit that's sitting next to the Heavenly Father. So when I say, Jesus, I need help, it's not just a, a statement that bounces off the walls. That's a direct line to the King of the Universe. Amen. Man, that's powerful. And God's worried about the spiritual realm. So the more I interrupt him and tell him about the things that he wants to fix on earth, the more he's like, guys, I'm going to burn that. Let's worry about the spirit. Let's worry about the spirit. Let's get as many people filled with the Holy Ghost on earth as possible. Because the more we can fill people with the Holy Ghost, we can get off this rock and we can go to the next world that's going to be perfect and sinless and everything God promised us. Man, that's powerful. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth and his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He can point to us and say, remember when that angel messed everything up and tried to kill my whole world? Look what I did. I gave my son as a sacrifice to raise them from the dead. Because the devil can't beat my God. He loses every time. That's why he is so... Why is there so much evil on this earth? Because he knows what's going on. He knows this is the only thing he's got and it's coming to an end. You might as well live it up because it's going to die. And people are this, people say the same thing. Well, if tomorrow we die, we might as well live and drink and eat and have our fun because tomorrow we die. Yeah, that's the very spirit of Satan. But we've got other things to look forward to. That's why when a believer is filled with the Holy Ghost, it isn't time to sit down and shut up. You've been dead for years. You're finally alive. Let's go live. Let's enjoy the life. We don't have to worry about what's going on in the next life. I ain't got to fret about this world. Guess what? If God takes everything from me and I starve to death in my living room, then I get to go be with Him because He's already given me a sign of life inside of me. A new body, a new kingdom, a glorious inheritance. Man, that gets me excited. That's good, man. That's real good. So God saved you. Right. But it's important because listen what he says. He says, God saved you by grace when you believed. How important is believing? Again, Satan told a lie, which caused us to fall. But when we believe God, we're given new life. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, people tell you you ain't really got it. They're liars. That's the devil's only trick. 
But if I'm growing fruit and I've got life, then I know the resurrector. And just as he has resurrected my spirit, he will resurrect our bodies after we're dead. And not all of us are going to die either. Some of us are going to be caught away in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be caught up into heaven. But guess what? The Bible says it's going to be like in the days of Noah and like in the days of Lot. And we're not quite there yet, guys. We're not quite there yet. God's God gave me a dream and a promise that I'm going to preach in the church one day. He didn't give me that dream because he's coming back next week. So guess what? We're going to struggle. We're going to be stuck in this life. Our bodies are going to mess up. They're going to make me sin. It's going to do stupid things. But God's spirit is going to preserve our soul. And we're going to struggle in this flesh like Christ did to win as many people to him like he did. Because we're made in his image and we're to be image bearers and we're to be witnesses of the resurrection power. The new, the, the first apostles were witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. All they did was go around and tell people he was dead. He's alive. That's what they did. And that's what's their whole task. Paul says it time and time again. I'm called to be a witness. They told him, don't talk about Jesus no more. How can I not talk about Jesus? He told me, I'm a witness of his resurrection. How are we a witness today? The same way. I cannot show people a picture of Jesus on the cross and Jesus alive again. This is 2,000 years later. I can't tell people, hey, you remember that guy from Galilee that they killed? Now he's alive. I can't do that because they don't know the guy from Galilee. So how can I show, how can I be a witness to the resurrection? I can show people the resurrection power today because your spirit is dead, but it can be alive if you choose to believe and receive the Holy Spirit. Travis says, receiving the Holy Ghost changed your life. Exactly. It is life. I can. Yeah, and Trav, you were right. We show love because that is God. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son so that He could have eternal life. So we show our love, which shows them who God is. But if we can get them full of the resurrection power of Christ, that is the witness to the good news. I got, I got a great thing to add on mm. about witnessing. So God has brought some people into our life, an older lady and an older Jewish lady. And she's not wanting to talk about Jesus at all. Well, you know, but I know she's in our life for a reason. You know, we've been showing her love, but I know that we have to let God present that opportunity because it can't become a battleground. Jesus! <laughs> 
You know what I mean? And a lot of times you just gotta, you know, come in love and spray. Right. You might just be able to say, hey, Jesus is the way, and then move on and God send somebody else. If you were a doctor, don't get in the middle. Let him be If you were a doctor, Yes. Yes. Right. Right. If you only understood, you could pick you up where you're at and bring you to a level that you resurrection power. Hallelujah. You know, my my brother Joe and me were personal. You know what? He loves us. Right. That's so good. My brother Joe and me were talking, his wife Shiloh's a doctor, and he was talking, you know, people were being mean and talking about doctors are all so evil people and you know she was hurting about it and stuff and he was like, you know, me and her were in the store and I was looking for her. I was like, where'd she go? And my son said she's over there helping somebody on the floor. And it was an older lady who had fallen out on the ground. And Shiloh stopped and was over there giving her CPR and brought her back to life. And, and my brother was just saying, like, you know, people will say bad things about people, but that's a, like, for you to stop everything you're doing to bring this person back to life, you know? And he said afterwards, all of her family were like, man, thank you so much for what you did and for helping, you know? And she was like, yeah, no problem. They said they got back in the car and she looked at my brother and said, Joe, can you, can we just go straight home? They're, they were going to go do a couple other things. She said, can we just go straight home? And he said, yeah, why? She said, all I can taste is cigarettes in my mouth. <laughs> but it was so beautiful that that's where we're at today. We're, we're seeing people laying on the floor and they're dead. And we had the resurrection power to breathe the breath of life into them and bring them back from the grave. That's our driving power behind everything. And in love. It, it yes. That pure love. Of, I mean, you can't bring someone back to the life that you don't love. Right. If you have no love for them, it won't even work. It'll be, it'll be, but when, I mean, it's in your spirit. You're yep. like, oh, no, God. And then that's how it happens. For God, God so loved the world. Loved if it wasn't for love, he wouldn't have said a song. But he loved. And we're to do the same thing. where you might be the only person that's speaking in someone's life. You right. Know, like, I used to ask, them, why am I here? What am I doing? You know, I, I don't want to be where I'm at. And, but, and, and, and things will happen. And all of a sudden, this person comes into my life and I never want to be able to talk to that person right. if I wasn't going through what I was going through. And that can be hard sometimes. You right. go through some hard times. But like you said, this life isn't what we got to look forward to. He can sustain us and He can give us things. He gives us people to love right. each other, to, hey, you know, come over barbecue. Like, try, come over barbecue. You know what I mean? Like, we're able to love each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ to lift each other up. That's what we have. But in our situations, if, we're, if something isn't happening and we're not moving in our situation, He probably wants you there. So, Look at it anyway. Right. You know what I mean? And it's good for us to know too because we get so frustrated with our flesh. Why can't I get this body to do what's right? When we see Christ came to deal with the spirit, 
He's going to destroy this body. Not, not to make light of it, because we want to stay spiritually full, and that comes through obedience. But He's going to renew our spirits and our bodies. So let's close in prayer. Let's pray. Jesus' name, Lord, touch our hearts and minds. Allow your breath to sweep over your people today, God, that we will be full of your resurrection power, God, that our lives will be a witness to people that they can see and say, you were dead and now you're alive. I want to live a life like that, full of life and peace and joy, Lord. Let us touch everyone that we come around, God, that we can get everybody saved and go live with you one day, Jesus. Thank you for restoring our hope and peace, Lord, as we know that we've got an inheritance in you, God, that we'll stand firm on those promises, God, and that our hope will thrive, Lord. Let everybody who listens to this be anointed with you, Lord, and that your breath will sweep through their lives, God. We worship you and praise you for being the God of resurrection power. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.